Good morning. I am Julie Minan, and I volunteer in the children's ministry department. Um, why don't you take three steps back and greet somebody you don't know? Okay, that was fun. Um, a couple of announcements. Sunday school will begin on September 11th. That is for <laughs> uh, two-year-olds up through high school, and we meet over in the ministry center, and it's second service only. Um, today we have a baptism and picnic at Camp Arrowhead, and you can bring a dish to pass that does not include dairy or um, mayo because we don't want to get sick, and bring lawn chairs because it's supposed to be really beautiful out. Um, I am the commander of AWANA, and um, AWANA stands for Approved Workmen Are Not Ashamed. Um, here at Maranatha, we strive to reach generations, all generations, from nursery to the nursing home, and I prefer the short people because they're very loving and forgiving. Um, uh, Awana stems from 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. I've heard it said that it's easier to build strong children than to fix broken men, and I feel like Awana is a good um, program for that. We um, have a teaching time that is phenomenal by Jake Herringer, who does TNT, and Pastor Aaron does Sparks, um, and I feel like all generations learn at Awana. It's not just the kids. The, the adults learn as well. Um, we meet on Wednesday nights from 6 to 7.30. And um, over in the, uh, the ministry center, we have games, uh, teaching time, and a small group time where we um, learn verses and application of the word. Um, this year we are bringing back the store that has been gone for several years and we are looking for donations. So we are, kids specifically asked for Bibles in the store. So we are looking for hardcover Bibles, um, NIV would be preferable. Um, little boxes, those boxes of movie theater candy would be good, fidgets things that the kids like to play with, and snap bracelets. Those are the things that we're looking for for donations. Um, last year, we had over 40 liters. It sounds like a lot, but it wasn't enough. Out of those 40 liters, we had seven couples that volunteered together, so seven families that came and all learned together, but um, husbands and wives and all of their kids came. We love that. Um, we specifically need two men, for sure, because um, we need two men for the TNT uh, third grade through sixth grade boys. Um, we need several floaters. That would be somebody who's very flexible and can go between all the groups and just fill in where you need, um, where we have a hole that particular night. Um, one secretary that's going to cover the whole Awana group, so you would be doing all of the record keeping for that. Um, so somebody who's detail oriented would be good for that. Um, it's a hard job. I'm not going to say it's easy because there's a lot of chaos. It's loud. It's busy. There's often crying, even though I try really hard not to. I have moments, uh, but I never leave there wishing that I hadn't come. 
So um, I have Amber Bay. Stand up, Amber. And Amber here, who might not be here yet, um, or myself, if you want to volunteer, you just have questions and want to hear about it, um, just find one of us and we'll tell you all you need to know and twist your arm a little bit. So uh, let's pray before Pastor Cody comes up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for the opportunity to be here and the freedom to be here. I just pray that you would be in our midst and that you would prepare our hearts to hear your word and um, to hear whatever you have for us in this day. I pray that we would worship you well and that um, we would just give everything that we have to you. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Julie, and all those who serve and volunteer. Again, we're starting up a lot of the kids' programs coming up because school is soon to be going for all of you little ones, which will be fun and exciting. So we are excited about that. This summer I was called in to help five different agencies. Someone fell out of a boat and they just found the boat on the shoreline. And at the time when I was called in, all the agencies were out trying to rescue, trying to find, and they just, they needed someone to be with the family. So they called me and said, would you be willing to come and assist and care for this family that's just sitting on the shoreline? So I went there, and I was able just to connect with them in a, in a very special way. Sometimes it doesn't always happen, but we really connected right away. And, and in that moment, in those hours we had <coughs> together, we got a call where it was just, you know, a speaker phone saying, okay, here's what we're doing. The five different agencies were involved. We're going to explain what's going on now. We are now moving from a rescue to a recovery. And that's a very hard moment for anyone in that situation. So the family was, didn't completely understand what that meant. But we knew at this time that most likely their loved one lost their life somehow in the lake. And now we're looking. From that moment on, everything changed with my relationship with them where I was able to be with them. And I said, do you mind if I pray with you? And they said, yes, please. And yeah, I'll, I'll never forget, we just gathered around, we just held each other, and we prayed. Oh, I believe God is a God of miracles, amen? So we, we prayed that. But we also realized we need to get ready for what most likely is going to come. We cried and we prayed. So it was beautiful to care for them spiritually, but I, I loved how even the community, again, we had five different agencies involved. It was busy, crazy, but also at the same time with, with the helicopters around, all, all that was going on, you could tell the community knew something bad happened. And as the sun was going down, we waited, a, a family came up. And, and they saw me, they, they could see I was someone that was a part of the situation. So they came and said, listen, we, we know something bad has happened, but we, we brought some water for the family and some snacks. And I said, thank you so much. And then um, I, I had one of the family members come, and they were just crying. They said, thank you for caring for us. And then they left, and then another person came and helped. And I loved how it was an example that we need, listen to this, we need physical care but we also need spiritual care right and today we're going to deal with a, a great story that is more than just about jesus feeding people which he does he cares for people physically it's more than just something god can do for your stomach or your needs in fact there's a phrase we will hear the disciples say where can anyone get enough bread here and the bread of life is standing with them. Jesus is enough for us. He satisfies. He is all that we need. Let me read this song. Again, once in a while I read songs from the 80s Christian music realm. 
This is by my favorite at the time, my favorite solo artist, Steve Camp, who's now a pastor. When you're alone, your heart is torn, he's all you need. When you're confused, your soul is bruised, he's all you need. He's the rock of your soul, he's the anchor that holds through your desperate time. When your way is unsure, his love will endure a peace you will find through all your years, the joy, the tears. He's all you need. Today we're going to look briefly here at a meal, a sign, and a warning. Hopefully we then will see through these three different engagements that God has with His disciples, with the crowd, with with Pharisees, that truly Jesus is all that we need. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I do thank You for this day. This is our special day. It's Sunday. We celebrate the risen Lord. We proclaim His goodness. And we together as a local body, as the the family, this is my family. I'm excited today. This is for sure one of the most special days of the year. We gather together. We're having communion. We're having a baptism. Eleven people are getting baptized today. This is going to be glorious. And I pray that we in our hearts would see today Jesus. You are all that we need. Forgive us, Lord. For at times we are like the disciples who have unbelief. We need more. We we, we need more bread. And here the bread of life is right there next to them. And truly forgive us, Lord. We're like the Pharisees who have such wrong teaching, have hard hearts and unbelief. Spirit of God, right now I pray you melt our hard hearts. Dissolve anything that comes between us and you. And may we hear from you. Speak to us as you do so clearly through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Amen. We are in our study with Christ in the school of discipleship. And more and more we're, we're going to be, especially when in September, we're going to be learning more about discipleship. So grab your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. We have this great story. In fact, I'm not going to read all of what we're going to be covering. We're we'll be covering Mark chapter 8, 1 through 21 here. I'm not going to cover all of this reading, but we're going to read different parts of this here. We're going to begin with a meal. Jesus provides and satisfies. Remember that. In fact, if you could, if you, uh, maybe you don't want to do this, but get a pen and write it on your arm. Jesus provides and satisfies so you don't forget this. Another huge crowd gathering. It even says here, during those days, another large crowd gathered. Thousands are around Jesus. And like the one that Pastor Aaron preached, uh, Mark chapter 6, we have a pile of people here. And they are getting hungry. And Jesus says that he realized, guess what? All these people have been with us. And, you know, it's not like we can just order out, you know, do one of those, I don't even know what they're called. You call someone, they bring food to your door. Uh, they, we don't do that. But this is kind of unlike what we would have. How many have had kids when they were little in the car and they start crying because they're hungry, all right? I'm going to raise both hands. I've had I have four daughters, and there's been multiple times we're on a trip, we're going somewhere, and we lived in the northern part of Wisconsin here, and a lot of our family is in Appleton or the northern part of Illinois, that state down there. And we would take these trips that should be five and a half hour trips. They would be like eight, nine, ten hour trips, all right? Little kids, and you strap them in, they're crying, they're screaming, and they're hungry. And it's pretty easy because sometimes you can just go, all right, fast food restaurant, pull up. I need every happy meal you have. Get them in, you know, and just keep going. This isn't like that. And what I notice here is they're not complaining not the crowd going we want food we want food jesus look, look at verse two 
sees in advance the needs. He's the one that takes the initiative. Remember that about Christ. He takes the initiative. Verse 2, I have compassion on the crowd because they've already stayed with me three days and have nothing to eat. Notice Jesus has concern for the whole being. He's not there just pounding sermons down on them. Here's another little sermon on the mount I'm going to give you. He has concern for their whole being. He gives both physical and spiritual food, pointing to God's loving care and provision in Jesus. He's the one that provides. I love that. So disciples of Jesus, those of us in this room and those who are watching online, do you see the needs of people? Often we as evangelicals, we are very proud of our understanding of doctrine and scripture and we know it very well even for little ones we have them memorize scripture which i'm all about i love a one i love sunday school that we're doing this we're getting them grounded in the word so they can know the beauty of christ but do we see the needs of people do we really see what people need not just spiritually but also physically that's why i enjoy Every third Saturday of the month, I'm at Ruby's Pantry. And I love caring for people. And I love bringing some of my kids. And in fact, last, yesterday morning, we had at least five of our kids from our church there handing out food. I love that. Jesus provides. He knows the need and provides. Look at verse 8. This really stuck out to me. When I was reading through this, going through the pants i read it a couple times and then this really stuck out to me it says this they ate and were filled or satisfied then they collected seven large baskets of leftover pieces this is to show the greatness of the miracle of jesus just like in chapter six he provides this great miracle he feeds thousands of people with just a handful of stuff there was leftovers. They were satisfied. In fact, I, I looked at that word in the Greek. This word in the Greek is a very unique word. It doesn't mean like, okay, and this is one of my problems. Like, like uh, this past Friday, my wife and I went out with someone on like, like a double date, and, and they chose a restaurant, and my wife said, make sure you eat before you go, because every time you go here, you're never full. They give you like those little sushi rolls, like a couple of them laid out. That's like an appetizer for me. You know, I, maybe it's my metabolism or my stomach is huge. Here, this word means they were stuffed full, completely filled, satisfied. This is how you feel like at a fancy all-you-can-eat banquet. I'm a, I'm a, in fact, yesterday I just, we, dr we were driving by the, uh, I forget what it's called, Lake City Buffet. I'm like, Amber, we haven't gone there since it's closed. She goes, why would we? I'm like, it's all-you-can-eat. And we kept driving. It's not like one of those places where you just feast and feast. Or how many ever, how many of you ever here get full on Thanksgiving? Raise your hand, right? You were like, yes, pumpkin pie, sure, I'll, I'll find a spot for it. Listen, Jesus for three days is giving them the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of the kingdom of God. Also, he's caring for them physically even to the point that they were satisfied, stuffed full, filled up. So I wrote those on. Jesus gives an all-surpassing abundance of what is needed. Never forget that. Having leftovers shows the abundance of it. How many of you have leftovers in your fridge right now? Raise your hand. Okay, we got that. How many of you don't like eating leftovers? My wife's not here yet, so I'm going to raise my hand, right? Now, we're used to the word leftovers. Okay, that's fine. But in this culture, if they could even get enough food to eat to get enough so they could be sustained, them was good. Leftovers is not even common. This shows that their meal was completely full, satisfying, and they had leftovers. We see in the Bible and in this story, 
The feeding is not ultimately about having something to eat, which truly is important when they are hungry. But ultimately, this is about Jesus. He is the bread of life. We're going to read this here in a bit. He is the one that satisfies. He is the one that cares. He feeds. He fulfills. He fills us physically and spiritually. So, disciple of Jesus, you who are sitting in the room, do you see that Jesus is all that you need? A meal. Now let's move to a sign. And of course, we have been going through the book of Mark, and ever since chapter 2, the Pharisees, the religious people, those who know the Torah and the law, in and out, they've been sitting like this a lot of the time. What's going on with this character? Jesus provides and satisfies, yet not what and how the Pharisees want. Look at verse 11. The Pharisees come, came out and began to argue with him, demanding of him a sign from heaven to test him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation demand a sign? Now in the Old Testament, it was very common if there was someone who said, I'm a prophet, I'm a man of God, I'm here to give you a message. It was common in the Old Testament to verify that this is a prophet, to test and ask. So it's not wrong to ask the Lord a very specific request. Yet we can see this is not what they're looking for. Even look at the words here. Argue. Test. They're not going, maybe this is the Messiah. My hopes and dreams are being fulfilled right here. No, no, they've come to argue and test him. Miracles are wonderful. They're asking for a sign. Miracles are wonderful, and I firmly believe that God truly still does miracles today. And if it was up to me, this is just Pastor Cody talking here, if it was up to me, I would ask the Lord to provide miracles every day when I'm with my non-Christian friends. Wouldn't that be awesome? Seriously. I'm sometimes, at, like in fact, recently we had a special night when all the communities had this, it's called National Night Out. Did any of the kids go to National Night Out? I know some kids were there. You got to see the, the, the police, the fire trucks, the ambulance, all this stuff. You know, so we were all getting ready for this national night. All the different cities had this. And then about 2 o'clock, we're getting stuff ready. Then we realized there's a big storm coming. And some of the weather reports were like from 6 to 8.30, it's going to be that red zone where lightning, you know, and everyone's running around. It could be hail. It's just like, oh, man, this is going to be bad. So I, we, we started calling all the different chiefs and the sheriff, like, are we going to shut this down? or we, Let's go inside. So most of the places moved to the high school. But during that time, I was talking to some of them, and I was like, in fact, one of, one of the officers came and he goes, don't you have connections up there? And I said, we all can have connections up there. I'm not some special man in a cloth or whatever, you know. But even at my, that time, I was like, should I just call everyone and say, guess what? Pastor Cody is going to pray, and there's going to be no rain at all. I didn't do that, because I, I even thought of it. I was like, wouldn't that be great if I could just do that, God? And then everyone, instead of national light, it would be praise Jesus night. I wish that would be the case. Listen to this. That's how I think sometimes. And maybe you think that too. But after reading the life of Jesus, going through the Gospels, seeing the Old Testament, the book of Acts, listen to this. After reading the life of Jesus, I don't think that miracles would result in instant conversion of my friends the way I think it would be. None of these miracles convinced many of the people when Jesus was right there. Because they had major issues with their heart and unbelief. So even to this point, chapter 8, we're realizing it's not going to happen. It's not going to, another miracle is not going to prove that Jesus is God to them. So at this point in Mark, no sign would convince them because their request is from unbelief and a hard heart for their personal gain. Jesus has already showed the power of God, right? We've read some amazing stories. He truly is the awaited, long-anticipated, prophesied Messiah. He's healed people. He's cast out demons. He's had power over nature. 
people rising from the dead. And they saw it. Yet the Pharisees continued to reject the heavenly nature of Jesus in His earthly ministry. They saw Jesus and His miraculous power as a means only for their personal and political gain. Show us another one, and they had some way that they were going to get their own personal gain out of it and political agenda. So disciple of Jesus, those here in the room, do you, from a wrong heart, put God to the test? We must come to God His way, demanding what He does not give. We must come to God the way He has it set up, not demanding, God, I want this right now, and you're not giving it to me. We are not to tell God how to act. Instead, we are to act the way He tells us. Let me say that again. We are not to tell God, God, I want you to do this. Don't tell God how to act. Instead, we are to act the way He tells us. We see in the Bible and in this story, Jesus provides what we need for us to do to believe in Him. Yes, at times miracles will come. And we'll talk more about healing. We'll talk more about other things coming up like that. But at times miracles do not come. Jesus is the main sign. They want another sign? And Jesus is like, no. I've showed you enough signs. I'm the main sign. I'm the main signpost. You don't need the shadow anymore, Hebrews chapter 10. I am here. I'm enough. He's the one who ultimately satisfies us spiritually. Don't look to the product of the miracle. Instead, look to the person of Jesus, the Messiah. He is all we need. All right, lastly, a warning. Jesus provides and satisfies. Cautions you. Don't need more than he needs. Look at verse 15. So he's in this debate with the Pharisees. He's like, these people. Then he pulls his disciples aside here. And they're like, okay, we, we need some bread. We're getting hungry. Did you not bring up enough bread? Or, you know, what's going on? And Jesus says, he says, look at verse 15. Watch out. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. Now what Jesus does, he uses yeast as a metaphor to teach a great spiritual truth, a great spiritual lesson. And it's a perfect example because he just fed thousands of people with bread. Seven loaves are left, and he's got this. So now he's got this great example. So yeast is this special ingredient when you're making some bread. You've got your lump of dough. It's the great ingredient that you put in. And today we don't use much yeast. Now we use more baking soda. And I've recently learned this. Baking soda is more of a chemical reaction where yeast is an organic. Baking soda, you put it in there, it does its thing and then it's done. Where yeast, you can pull a little bit out and add it more. It keeps growing and growing. When a little amount is added to a lump of dough, the yeast ferments, starches, ferments the starches in the dough and becomes to grow in size. Without yeast, it will just be plain and simple. So, for instance, in the Old Testament, in Exodus, when they had to leave right away, Exodus chapter 12, God was saying through Moses, and He's saying also in the future, Exodus 12 is just such a unique chapter, where He's talking real time and future time. you got to go. It's time to leave. Make some bread, but guess what? Don't throw yeast in it. Make it so it's just this dense, hard chunk of bread. Look at this. This has no yeast. This is the kind of stuff I take on mountain trips because it's dense, doesn't take up space. It'll fill me to keep going. This has no leaven in it. It's just solid, dense the way it is. Whereas this bread here has yeast in it. Grew overnight. Was baked recently. Mm, smells really good. In fact, Andre, send one of your boys up here to me. What happens with yeast is it begins to expand and expand and expand. So, this is one of my favorite. How many of you have ever opened 
before and enjoyed opening these. All right? Don't worry, there's no tricks. This is very simple. In fact, this doesn't have yeast. Now it's just baking soda. But it's beginning to grow because it's warm and it's building up pressure. So slowly open this thing and see what may not happen here. Get ready. Oh, yes! Woo! Anybody else jump? Okay, two or three. You like that? It was fun. Smell that. I won't shove it in. This is your dad. Boom. Okay, thank you so much. So yeast expands and grows and builds up pressure. This is unleavened bread. No yeast in it. And that's this is the kind of stuff I take up in the mountains. It's dense. It's awesome. Fills me up quick. This I wouldn't take in the mountains because it'd get squished and whatever. This expands. So Jesus uses this great metaphor. The Jews of the first century totally understood this. They understood the Passover celebration. They understood that yeast, when put in the dough, it expands and grows and gets through all of the bread. Yeast here is a symbol of evil and corruption. Know that this, that Jesus at times talks about yeast and you know, leaven as a good thing, but sometimes he talks about it as a negative thing. In fact, in the Old Testament, sometimes it's a negative aspect. Jesus gives us a warning, which is not about food. The disciples are there trying to figure it out. He's speaking of the Pharisees. Adding rule. And of Herod, the political puppets. Both were dangerously corrupting the gospel message. Don't be like that. Like yeast following their errors will contaminate their souls and turn them against Christ. Let me give you quick three ways that they were doing this. They had wrong teachings. The Pharisees, Herod, we went through that passage. Jesus must live up to their wrong ideas and do miracles on demand. That's how the Pharisees were like. We just give us a sign. They also had wrong ideas mixed with good teaching. Not a good thing. They were teaching the good law, but they were corrupting it. Like yeast infecting the whole bread. They were corrupting it. That which was once pure, they were corrupting. They were adding politics and policies to Christ, which is very, very dangerous. Just read church history. And unfortunately, these last two years has shown America, don't try to put Jesus to your political agenda. Just read church history, you'll see it doesn't work. The more we add to the gospel message, the more we subtract from its original meaning. Don't infect it. Or, so let me write this, this I have this written down. Disciple of Jesus, are you well grounded in the doctrines of the Bible? So when people come with mixed truth in with corruption you will be able to understand it that's why we love awana we love teaching our kids this is the truth of scripture this is the gospel message another area is they had hard hearts they refused to obey god just a little can ruin the whole lump put a little yeast in it and it will ruin the whole lump we're going to deal with obedience coming up at the end of chapter 8, more all the way to the end. Obedience is so key. And lastly, unbelief. Wrong teaching, hard hearts, and unbelief. The unwillingness to accept what is true. Jesus is right there. The Pharisees are like, show us a sign. No, I'm all you need. I'm that great sign. The gospel and the kingdom of God that Jesus proclaims and show, so it's his teaching and how he cares for them physically, was offensive to the religious. It infuriated the legalistic people. Yet for the sinner in whom God is working, oh, the gospel message gives hope. Amen? All right. The disciples are there. They forget to bring enough bread. For them in the boat and they are confused thinking jesus just said don't eat this yeast oh this was made by the pharisees so i can't eat that bread that doesn't make any sense to me and he rebukes them for their lack of understanding both the physical aspect and the spiritual so let's close with this physically 
how could they not trust in him to feed them after seeing what he so in the boat they're like we didn't bring enough bread and here they are and jesus is like guys i just fed thousands and you're wondering if you're gonna make it disciple of jesus here in this room learn to trust god to supply what seems impossible don't live in disbelief like the disciples answered in the first part where can anyone get enough bread here to give to fill these people philippians chapter 4 and my god will supply every need of yours according to the riches of glory in christ jesus jesus is enough spiritually jesus is with them and nothing ultimately satisfies except for christ take your bibles and go to john chapter 6 john chapter 6 john chapter 6 look in the 20s there we'll, we'll go in the middle of verse 24 remember we've got the four gospels each telling the story of jesus by a different author different audience with a different purpose so at times the same story is given sometimes though because of the audience and what the author wants to convey he's giving a different aspect of it i love this john chapter 6 24 they got into the place and went to capernaum looking for jesus so they're looking for jesus when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? John 6, 26. Jesus answered, I assure you, you were looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. Verse 28. What can we do to perform the words of God, they asked. Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one that he has sent. Look at me. Belief in Jesus. He's all we need. Jump down to verse 47. I assure you, anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate man in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I'm the living bread that has come down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus provides for them spiritually. So a disciple of Jesus is in Christ we have all that we need for life and satisfaction. Jesus has put himself on display for the world to know. We have a spiritual famished people outside. He is the bread of life. His death on the cross for sinners is offered. He is the bread for the starving soul that we need. And his life provides for your soul and evermore true satisfaction jesus says this to us today i don't just give bread i am the bread so here's what we're going to do today this is a special day for us so the worship team can come up and we're going to have communion now kids and adults when we do communion, we have unleavened bread. Bread that has no yeast in it, no leaven, because it reminds us of the great salvation story of the Old Testament. They gathered their stuff together. They, they had to leave, escape from their bondage to the promised land. And they took unleavened bread. And in chapter 12, they, would, they were told, in your in the future when your kids need to hear about this story take unleavened bread to
to remind them of the great salvation story. They left the bondage into freedom by the blood of the Lamb. And here's what we're doing today. We celebrate and remember by taking unleavened bread here and some grape juice. The salvation story in the Old Testament was they were in bondage. And by the blood of the Lamb, they went to the promised land. The New Testament story is the same. We were once in bondage, but by the blood of the Lamb, amen? We have been freed, and we are on our way to the promised land. So we're going to do communion today. And we've got a little map up there so you can kind of see how you can go. So just take some time, pray, get your heart ready. It's important that your heart is right before the Lord. You don't have any major sin in your heart, confess that to the Lord. Or you don't have any grievances against the person sitting on the other side of the room because, oh, they're, set that aside, make that right. We have open communion here at Maranatha, which means if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, that His body was broken for you, and you believe that in your heart, come up and celebrate with us. You don't have to be a member of the church. You can be visiting, but if you belong to the body of Christ, join us. And if you have kids that have yet not believed and understood, pray for them that someday they would understand the beauty that Jesus is the bread of life. And He gave His life so we could live. Let me pray. What we'll do is grab the different elements that we have up here. We have gluten-free option available, I believe, back there. I don't see it up here. We have that box. Craig, if you could check for that, we're going to have that gluten-free. We'll have you all get it ready, and when we're all seated, then I'll lead us and we'll take it together as this song is playing. Let me pray before we begin. Father, I do thank you that you satisfy. Not only physically. I love how you care physically. You, you sustain us. You you provided for thousands, and even today, you provide for us every day. You also care for us spiritually by providing yourself. So Lord, right now we confess any sin that easily entangles our hearts. We confess maybe that we've had the corruption like the Pharisee or unbelief or hard hearts. We confess that to you. And we come and we take these as a great symbol of the gospel message. Your body broken, your life, blood shed for me. Amen. Amen. So as the song's playing, come up and get your stuff and then sit down and we'll take together.
in society think we need more but really Christ is what we need he provides physically and truly provides spiritually I love in Mark here chapter 14 the last supper while they were eating Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying take it this is my body so he broke the bread, breaking off different pieces. In fact, we do that. We snap it to remember his body broken for us. And we'll take and eat. Then he took the cup. And when he given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank for it. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. He said to them, Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Let's take this as we remember his death for us. Lord, I thank you that your salvation is this great gift of grace. And I love that we have the Bible, 66 books that point to the beauty of Christ. In the Old Testament, the great picture of salvation, grabbing the unleavened bread, going through the doors that were covered by the blood of the Lamb, walking on dry ground, being saved from the enemy, you are the great deliverer. And I thank you in the New Testament, Jesus. You are that great Lamb. You poured out your blood as a ransom for many. Your body was broken so that we would be forgiven. Lord, we celebrate you. You are glorious. You, Jesus, are enough. Amen. Stand and join us in our last few songs. Satisfied 
I encourage you, whatever need you have, Jesus is enough. Whether it's physical or spiritual, emotional, mental, cognitive, whatever it is, Christ is enough. And He truly satisfies. Today is a great day for our church. We get to gather together and sing praises to the King. Also, we get to take communion together. Until the day He comes back, we will do that. And this afternoon, we got baptism. So I encourage you, this is first service. You'll be going home, having donuts now, and then going home and whatever. We want to be at Arrowhead Bible Camp about 12.15. We're going to start eating at 12.30. And if you haven't signed up, that's fine. Just come. Grab something from Quick Trip or whatever. Just bring some donuts. I'll eat the donuts, okay? Or whatever it is. And just come celebrate with us. We're going to have 11 people getting baptized. I'm just, I'm excited. And if you are thinking, you know what, I've never been baptized, and the Spirit's nudging you right now, I encourage you, between now and the next service, talk to Pastor Tony or myself. We would love to talk to you about baptism. It's a great day. Also, on the days we do communion, we have a basket in the back by our offering container there for our benevolence fund that we use at times for people in need. So if the Lord's putting on your heart to put cash in there, we use that for our benevolence fund. Let me send you out with one of the songs of heaven that we will be hearing. Oh, Revelation chapter 5. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nations. You have made them to be a kingdom and a priest to serve our God. And they will reign on earth. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and praise. Amen? Glory to the Lord. I hope to see you at Arrowhead Bible Camp. God bless you. Have an awesome week.